What's up, my Housewives Relatable listeners? It's your girl, Stella, coming to you once again to talk about it all. Hi, guys. Happy New Year's 2024. I hope everyone had a great start to 2024. I hope everyone had a great holidays. For my part, this year is supposed to be my year. I will not tell you why. But I'm hoping that this year is also your year as well. So if you were listening to the podcast last week, you know that we did a recap um, for the book Standing Strong, a book that was written by Teresa Judice and her ghost writer some time ago, like some years ago already. And we recapped chapters one to five. Um, today was my intention to recap um starting from chapter six this time and so on. And I will do just that. But we have a lot of little things to cover, guys. So just bear with me. Let me cover what I need to cover. Let me jump right in and then we'll get to the book recap. By now, I'm assuming that everyone has watched the finale of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And for my part, I have to say that I have never been a regular watching that show. I know what's going on here and there. I know who the characters are. But my first love is with New Jersey, New York, the old New York, obviously, not the new, Atlanta and uh, Orange County. Uh, I also happen to like Beverly Hills. So, But nevertheless, okay. I watched the finale last night and boy, did it not disappoint. I was completely shocked. Like, to be honest with you guys, yes, it was a little bit of a dramatic, like it it was dramatic. You know, Heather was dramatic. Everyone was dramatic and I was living for it. Okay. I love everything about the episode last night, but not really going to recap the whole episode. I just thought I would jump on there and just give you guys my opinion when it comes to the whole thing. Um, from what I understand, this Monica Garcia uh, person that was on the show infiltrated herself into the woman group. And um, she ha- she was behind this Instagram account called um, reality Von Tees, which I have seen over the years, of course, and all of that. So, um, when you look at the account, you see that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she was posting about Jen Shaw and all of that. So we all know where Jen Shaw is currently. Uh, she is serving time in a federal prison for, um, fraudulent activities and scams, right? So I don't feel sorry for Jen Shaw at all. Um, I think that she got what she deserved, right? It's if you steal from people, if you scam people, um, especially people that are like, you know, any people is wrong, but especially people that are like seniors or retired and that kind of stuff. It's just like, come on, you know, she deserves to be serving some time right now. But other than that, I just feel like I find it... (laughs) I find it funny that this Monica person is kind of framing it as, well, you know what? I was like, respond. I I was behind this account that helped expose Jen Shaw. And if you want to kind of like, you know, crucify me for it, well, just go ahead, just do it. Like, I don't know, like this sounds kind of like this girl has some sociopathic tendencies. Okay. Um, I don't care necessarily about the fact that she has like an Instagram page or like account, like it's very possible. Most people before they join the show, 
have an account and it's so, like I don't think it's that bad to have an account where you're like commenting or doing that kind of stuff like there's tons of accounts out there that are doing that however I think that once you get cast to be on a show and be part of a group of women and all of that I think that this needs to stop and not stop not just stop you need to admit to um who you are right so I don't really feel like her lack of honesty towards the women should be rewarded with another season. That's just my personal opinion. It does feel very yucky. It feels like, you know, it's kind of like a violation. You know, you don't really have any real understanding of who that person is. And you don't know if you can trust that person or if, you know, they're secretly recording you or taking pictures or like, you know, filtering that information through like various channels. I don't know. Like I, if I was a housewife, I would not feel like I, I wanted to be around that person. That's just me. And, you know, I know there's a lot of different opinions out there. Uh, I'm just giving you mine. I was listening earlier today to... Um, up and Adam and he was giving his opinion on all of that and of course he is entitled to his own um, but I, I'm not really sure where he was going with all of this and I have to say I like Up and Adam I listen to him like from time to times but I have to say that I did not necessarily agree with where he was going with this I know he had this big interview with Jen Shaw he interviewed her and all of that so I don't know like you know guys I find it I find it like this is the type of world that we're living in right now. It's almost like we give credit and considerations to people that should not necessarily be given credit and consideration like first. And we start doubting people that have like an honest track record. Right. So and what I mean by that is. I'm not saying that Jen Shaw can never tell the truth, right? I'm sure she can tell the truth sometimes. The only thing that I'm going to say is that whatever Jen Shaw has to say when it comes to any situation, for me, I'm always going to take that with a grain of salt. And the reason for this is because when you have been accused of the things that Jen Shaw has been accused of, right? Um, we're talking about defrauding people. We're talking about stealing from people. We're talking about doing all of this, right? So, and I've said this before in some of my previous episodes, people, I have said, if you are a thief, you are automatically a liar. They go hand in hand together. You cannot take, you cannot steal, you cannot scam, you cannot defraud, you cannot do all of these things and be an honest person. You cannot. You have to lie. Actually, lying is like your professional job, you know? Because if you steal, you always need a reason, you always need an alibi, you always need to explain yourself, right? So every time that you explain yourself, you have to lie. That's why when people do these types of things, when people are involved in scams and frauds and all of these kind of schemes, I tend to take what they say with a, like a, a grain of salt, okay? And to me, Jane Shaw is the queen of con. She is. That's my personal opinion, okay? There's a great book out there. I don't know if you guys have read it. <laughs> it's called King of Con, okay? Great, 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 great book. I couldn't put it down, you know? I bought it. I read it. 
and then I had to purchase the audio version of that book because it is so good. Okay, but back to Jan Shaw. So I don't necessarily like when people like to give people like Jan Shaw some credit or as if we should consider what they say because I think what Adam was saying in that little clip was that, oh, you know, um, it was in response to what Jen Shaw put on her Instagram or whoever is managing her Instagram and basically saying that she did not give Heather Gay this black eye, right? So Adam was like saying, oh, you know, is Heather Gay, was she lying down or was she, or is she lying now? Because at first, um, Heather was always saying, oh, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened, right? So now Adam wants to question what Heather is saying today, basically saying that she was protecting Jen Shaw all of these years and not exposing her when it comes to like the black eye debacle. He wants to question her and he wants to give maybe a little bit of validity to what Jen Shaw is saying um, through a third party because she can't manage her social media account. She is currently incarcerated. So why are we trying to give Jen Shaw any validity? She is currently serving time in federal prison for lying. So I just wanted to say that. But And another thing is... I have to bring this because I'm getting sick and tired, guys, and I have to be honest with you when I'm saying this. I'm getting sick and tired of people saying they don't listen to other people's podcasts, they don't listen to other people's work, they don't do this, they don't do that. It's like, you know that this is just a bunch of lies, okay? It's just a bunch of lies. You know you listen. You know you listen to this podcast. A lot of people are talking to each other behind the scenes. Okay, you know who is who. You look at other people's numbers. Stop saying you don't listen to other people's podcasts, okay? Or work, or you don't want to copy, or you don't want to do this, or you don't, like, you know you do. Stop saying, oh, my fans are sending me recordings, you know? Just say you listen. Just say you listen. Because at the end of the day, you're supposed to be an expert in your field, okay? So if you are not listening, to other people's podcasts, how do you know what is happening? Because I definitely don't want to listen to somebody who's just listening to sound bites without like being able to provide any context to what they're covering, right? So just be honest, just say, you know, you guys are always calling out the housewives and saying like, oh, you know, when Rachel Fuda was at the reunion and said, oh, I never watched the show, everybody knew that she was lying because it's like, hey, why would you want to join a show if you've never watched it before? It's like applying for a job and then one of the interview questions is, why do you want to work here? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't do my research, right? Like you should try that and see if you land the job. <laughs> So I'm just saying, guys, stop lying, okay? It doesn't matter if you like the person. It does not matter if you do not like the person. You know damn well you are listening to other people's content. Some of you are actually monetizing on that content as well, and some of us are not, right? But don't be, don't be lying about this. You know you are listening, and just admit stop saying that people are sending you stuff. People are busy. They're not like sitting there like recording everything and sending you stuff. You're listening and tell the truth. And guys, I don't mean to sound all fired up and everything, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of work and some of, some of them have big accounts, some of them, and you know, 
no one in particular here okay this has i know i started this and i was talking about something that i disagree when it came to up and adam when it comes to jan shaw and all of that but this is just more of a general statement i'm not talking about him specifically so what i wanted to say is that there's a lot of people that are you know big time that are major that are like you know big accounts that you know the they are influencers and they have a big online presence and there's like other people that are like out there in the trenches that are doing the work as well that are um finding every little bits and pieces that could be interesting for their following and they're doing a lot of the work and i'm not necessarily talking about me i'm talking about there's a lot of us out there that are doing this these things and we're not getting paid for that right so at the end of the day sometimes when people become um become established in their field and have a large following um sometimes these people look at smaller accounts to and to see what they're doing and to see what they're talking about and they get to say it on their platforms and people will be like oh my gosh i never thought of it this way because you know you're bringing us some goodies some good stuff the good stuff meanwhile this kind of stuff has been said um, by other smaller accounts that do not necessarily have the platform uh, or the following that these people have, but they are getting their credit, right? So, you know, guys, maybe that's the reason why I get fired up sometimes because there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes. And like I said earlier on, a lot of people, a lot of these accounts, a lot of these podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, um, to name a few, collaborate with each other, talk to each other, talk or DM each other. And they're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be talking to this person or you should be talking to that person. Like some people try to sabotage other people behind the scenes. And I think that that's unfortunate. I think that that's gross. And it also shows a little bit of these accounts insecurities. Okay. So what I'm going to say is at the end of the day, for me, maybe it's easy for me to say because I am not one to have a strong online presence, but I do have a following and I do have people listening to me. So as long as people are listening to me, I'm going to continue to do this. So what I'm going to say is if I, if I was an account with a very large following or if I was a public figure in the housewife's world or reality TV world. I would basically want to do interviews or interact with anyone that I thought that their content was interesting. And it does not matter if you have like a, a large following or a small following. To me, it really has to do with the content that the person is putting out, right? So if I like what you say, and if I like your style, I will give you a chance. That's what I'm gonna do, okay? And I'm not gonna let other people get in my ear to try to influence me into doing an interview with you, or a podcast with you, or a show with you, or all of that, right? So this is the thing, and I'm just going to name him because, um, because he's the one who actually said this and you know, you can feel how you feel, however you want to feel about him or whatever. I don't care. I'm just saying that, you know, behind the velvet rope, David, at some point in time, he was talking about, uh, I think it was Luann and he was saying something like, you know what? Luann has my loyalty for life because when I was a nobody, or when my podcast was not very big, she gave me a chance, she was the first one, and therefore I will forever be grateful to her. And you again, you can feel however you wanna feel about him, okay? That's not the point here. What I'm actually trying to say is that 
I like that. I like the fact that he said that because it's like, you know what, when you're trying to, um, do something that you truly believe in and you know, it's really blood, sweat and tears and nobody's giving you a chance. And then you have a person as fantastic as Luan de la Sap, who's like, you know what? I don't know who's, who this guy is, but he seems fun. It's fun. Like it's fun for me. Right. And it would be a fun episode to do. And she decides to say, yes, I will give you a chance. I understand why that is something that will stay with like a podcaster, a YouTuber, a blogger forever. Right. So, and you know what, by the way, I love Luann. I think she has a fantastic life. Uh, I remember there was an episode on Bravo that, that aired like some time ago, a long time ago. And what I've always said about Luann that I find fascinating about her is the fact that she is a yes person. And a yes person, by that I mean like she says yes to opportunities a lot, right? If you know about her life story everything came out of her just saying yes let's do it let's do it and i i just i just think that she has like a very fascinating story so anyways i just thought i would say that because i know there's some people that are working in the backgrounds and they're just like you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't fine you know fine i don't run after people i do what i do that's one of the beauties of being uh, completely independent. I am um, managing my own podcast. No one is pulling my strings. No one is paying me to put out the content that I put out. I put out the content that I so enjoy and I hope that you guys are enjoying it too, okay? But I just wanted to say that do not turn your nose accounts, podcast bloggers, podcasters, and all of that, because I've said this, I think a year ago, they may be small today, but you don't know if they're going to be small tomorrow. You never know where someone's going to end up. So, you know, when you're nice to people from the very beginning, it might come back to you tenfold. Okay, guys. So Last week, I left you guys um, talking about how Teresa took a trip with her family in Italy and her brother and when she was 12 years old. And I also shared with you that she said in the book that when she was 12, she met this gentleman in Italy that was around 18 years old and kissed him and also met another gentleman that was in his 20s when she was in Italy and also kissed him. So... Um, one thing that I wanted to say about that whole situation, guys, is that I do have concerns when Teresa says this. And the reason for this is because I feel like when you are 12 years old, you cannot consent to something like that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, you know, I've been rewatching some of the earlier seasons of The Real Housewives. And right now I am at season 12. And uh, at the reunion, I, I just watched the reunion of that episode and um, of that season, I'm sorry. And then Teresa is very adamant because, you know, that's the season where Margaret is coming out with her book and she's explaining that whole thing that happened between her and her boss. And, you know, the whole thing about the sexual kind of like, not necessarily misconduct, but she felt like, you know, she was getting taken advantage of by a person that was in a position of authority. So if you guys remember, Teresa had a very strong reaction and she said, this would never happen to me if I did not want it to happen 
happened. And then Andy kind of asked, I can't remember what question it was, but he asked a question around those lines. And then Jackie responded that, yeah, I also had, you know, bosses like male bosses that were massaging my shoulders and I was scared. I didn't, in fear of not wanting to lose my job, I just accepted in silence, right? And then Teresa, again, she had a very strong reaction and she was like, well, you're not touch you're not touching me unless I want to be touched. You know, it never happened to me because I never really, ex you know, exposed myself to that kind of situation kind of thing. So the women, their reactions, they were just like, obviously they were baffled. And Andy was trying to convey to Teresa that the way she was like talking was probably one of the reasons why a lot of the women don't come forward because she's kind of like victim shaming a little bit, right? So I just wonder, you know, it's been a while since Teresa wrote this book, Standing Strong, but I just feel like it's interesting to think that Teresa do not see that she was taken advantage of when she was 12 years old. And, you know, I don't care if it was just a kiss, if it was a touch, she, she said that the guy just kissed her. But what I'm gonna say is that she was 12 years old and she was kissed by another man because at 20 or in your 20s, you are considered a man. And she does not reveal the exact age of the gentleman. She says a gentleman in his 20s, right? To me, that is very concerning because when you say in his 20s, technically he could be 20, he could be 21, he could be 25, he could also be 29, closer to 30, right? But the fact of the matter is, Teresa was only 12 years old. And you cannot consent to something like that with a person who is so much, that much older than you, okay? And I understand some people will say, well, it was a different time. Guys, this was in the 80s. And I understand that the 80s were different, but it does not negate the fact that Teresa was still 12 years old and that she was being kissed by a gentleman that was 18 and another gentleman that was in his 20s. And I'm wondering if she can see the parallel be be between Margaret's situation with her former boss and Jackie's situation with her former bosses and that situation that happened to her when she was 12 years old in Italy, right? And some people will just be like, well, it was just a kiss. It doesn't matter if it was just a kiss. You cannot consent to something like this when you are a minor and I need to say that even if it's Teresa so for me that is very concerning okay but I digress so another thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that you know you have Jennifer Jennifer Aiden who who during that same season her mother was going through something as well right and her mom was saying that you know, she came, I think she came to America when she was 16 or married the dad when she was 16. And her dad was like 10 years older. So he was 26 and that she never really felt loved from him. She felt that she was emotionally abused. And then it seemed like during that entire season, Jennifer was being completely tone deaf to her mother's needs. And then her mother said, well, you know what? Because Jennifer was having a hard time with the word emotionally abuse, like emotional, emotional abuse. And then eventually, I, I can't remember if it was Jennifer or Bill, but one of them, they were having like this conversation in front of their children and the grandparents, everyone was arguing. It was extremely emotional. And then someone stated something about, okay, maybe not emotional abuse, but neglect. And then Jennifer said, okay, so yes, neglect 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 was fine 
like according to Jennifer, neglect was fine and she saw neglect in the house, but she was not gonna go as far as saying that she saw her father emotionally abuse her mother, right? So I thought that that was kind of very interesting since Jennifer and Teresa are very close friends and it made me think of something too. It made me think that, you know, sometimes it is a little bit of learned behavior and sometimes you repeat what you saw and Jennifer has said many times on the show that she felt like her own husband was neglecting her and the children because he would spend a lot of time in the pool house, right? So it's almost like it's okay for Bill to neglect Jennifer and neglect the kids and their needs by just wanting to wind down in the pool house for several hours because this is a behavior that Jennifer is familiar with because she recognizes that she has seen her father neglect her mother in the home when she was young. However, it might be a little bit of a touchy subject to go as far um, to say that it is emotional abuse because if Jennifer says that her dad emotionally abused her mom by neglecting her, it means that she would have to be also introspective with herself and say that Bill is being emotionally abusive to her and her children, right? So I wonder if the women can see a parallel, right? The housewives, if Jennifer can see her own uh, situation versus her mom, and if Teresa can see um, what happened to her back in Italy with whatever happened to Margaret and uh, Jackie and so many other women in this world. Uh, I wonder, it's really a question that I have, but anyways, guys, I'm not gonna talk about this any further. I just want to cover the rest of the book. And to be honest, there's a lot that is shared in the book, but the best parts I feel were in chapter one to seven, I would say. And then the rest, it's a little bit more of the same. You know, she's talking a lot about her life with Joe. There's a lot of poems that are being read. There's a lot of notes that her children are writing her and letters of appreciation and that kind of stuff. There's also things that she talks that have to do, that she talks about that has to do with the show, things that we have seen on the show. So I don't necessarily feel like I really want to cover all of that, but I will share with you all that chapter six is almost completely dedicated to um, her relationship with uh, Donald Trump. So for those of you who are not familiar, a long time ago, I don't I don't recall, was it Nini who was the first housewife to be cast uh, on Celebrity Apprentice or was it Teresa? I think it was Nini. Okay, if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was Nini and then Teresa was second. But anyways, Teresa did much better than Nini because she actually made it to the final five, right? And that's when she got eliminated, but she still got to stay on the show because she was picked by Arsenio Hall. Teresa was a really good um, contestant on the show and a worker bee, so I guess, you know, he kept her for her work ethic. So Teresa explains that you know, she had some reservations and a lot of hesitation in doing the show, in doing Celebrity Apprentice. And they really wanted her on the show back then. So eventually, um, 
the network or the people that are close to Donald Trump really wanted Teresa on and said, listen, we can answer any questions or concerns that you have. Why don't you come down to New York and meet with, with Donald Trump? And then maybe he can make you feel better about the entire experience. So, to which Teresa actually said, yeah, I actually want to go and talk to him. So then she packed up with Joe, went to New York, and then they met with Donald Trump. And Teresa says in her book that they completely hit it off right off the bat. He really liked her and he really liked Joe. And to be honest with you, I'm not surprised because, you know, I find that Donald Trump, the way that he talks is like he is. Well, first of all, before he was president, he was like all over the news, all over the place. He's just that guy, right? Like no nonsense kind of person. He's very New York. He's very straight up, right? So um, not surprised, not surprised that he completely hit it off with Joe Judice, right? And Teresa was in complete awe with the Trump Tower. She was just like, I can't believe how beautiful the office is, which is also not surprising because for my myself, <laughs> I always felt like her house, like the house that she used to live with her kids and Joe kind of looked like the Trump Tower. It looked like very gaudy that way, right? So anyways, Donald completely, completely hit it off with Teresa. He likes the fact that she was like, you know, a mother of four and that her concern in doing the show was the fact that she didn't want to leave her kids because when you are casted on the show for Celebrity Apprentice, you cannot leave on the weekend and go see your family. But I guess Donald Trump really wanted Teresa to do the show. So he said, I will make an exception for you if you accept. I'll even dedicate an entire separate suite to your personal suite just for your kids and family to come and see you on the weekend because Teresa had very young children at the time, right? So I guess that's a really nice thing to do. So then Teresa was just like, well, you know what? Since you're going out of your way to try to make me feel comfortable, wanted, desired on this show, I guess I have no further objections and I will do it, right? So then she did Celebrity Apprentice. And for those of you who have not seen that season, it was great. It was the season where I think it was Arsenio Hall who actually won, right? If I'm correct. But anyways, it was a really good season with Victoria Gotti. That's when Teresa actually got to meet Victoria. There was Pendulette, Audrey O'Day, O'Bray. What was her name again? Audrey, anyways, that girl, and uh, <laughs> and so many other uh, good contestants were on that show. So anyways, to make a long story short, why this chapter is relevant in the book Standing Strong, which was written so many years after Teresa had competed on Celebrity Apprentice, is the fact that, you know, Donald Trump ran in 2016, and Teresa was kind of like forever indebted to him. I guess she really considered him a friend, a good person. She got to know him on a personal level or at a different level than most people would, right? So so if you were around that time, during that time where Donald Trump was running for presidency, it was like, a, you know, it was a hot time. Like he was on the news Everything that he said made it like, I don't know, it was a crazy time, guys. So we're not going to talk about politics here, but Teresa did talk about this in her book, and I think that it is worth mentioning. So she said that, you know what, she was trying to do her due diligence, and she wanted to vote for the best possible president, to, like uh, future president of the United States. So she was doing her homework. She was sitting on CNN. She was sitting on um, Fox, trying to get the most information. And she would say that, you know, whenever she would listen to CNN, 
It felt like Donald Trump was the devil. And then whenever she would listen to Fox News, um, they would just praise him and praise him and praise him, right? They would make him sound like a saint. So to be honest with you, I have to give her credit for doing that because not everybody does that, right? Regardless if you want to vote for Trump or whoever, um, not everybody does that. Some people just stand on staying on one news network or channel and just think that it is Bible and they won't ever, ever pay attention to the other side, right? So. I I think it was kind of cool that she did that and then Teresa said that you know things would come out in the media and then she would be in contact with Trump's kids like Ivanka and uh, what's his name um, I think it's Do um, Donald jr. or Eric anyway she should be talking to them and be like oh what can I do to try to support you or try to put the, the truth out there right because she considers or considered Donald Trump a friend, and they would be very, very appreciative uh, of Teresa's support. And Teresa admitted in her book that she actually wanted to vote for Donald Trump, and that um, she she couldn't because she was on probation. And I remember this. I remember this very vividly because back in 2016, I remember seeing an article. I can't remember which one, but Teresa was saying that yes, I will definitely vote for him, Donald Trump, but. I was thinking in my head, I don't think you'll be able to, right? I don't think you'll be able to do that because of her stint in prison, right? So she definitely confirmed in the book that she was disappointed, that she couldn't vote for him because, you know, she was still on probation and unallowed to vote, right, as a felon. So, but I definitely feel that in her heart, this is who she wanted to vote for. She admitted that she wanted to vote for Donald Trump. And who knows? Like, he's running again, so who knows? Maybe she might vote for him this time. But um, I have to say, guys, and I'm not going to talk about politics with you guys. That's not what really, that's not what I do. But I will say that I have to give her major props for this, major kudos for including this in her book. The reason why I'm saying this is because it's definitely not easy to talk about something like Donald Trump in your book. And yes, this was before all of the events that transpired afterwards, but what I'm trying to say is that he was always some sort of like controversial character, right? Um, a lot of people, you know, in the hip hop community, they always shout out Donald Trump a long time ago. They, everybody wanted to be rich like Donald Trump. Even Donald Trump said, like Teresa says in her book, that you know when she got there, there were some big shoes that belonged to Shaquille O'Neal. And basically, um, I guess the story was Donald went to see a game and then Shaquille saw him, like spotted him and just took his shoes off and gave them to Donald Trump, right? So he was like, before he was president, there's a lot of people that liked him as a character. So am I upset that Teresa likes Donald Trump? No, I don't get upset over things like that, guys. Okay, I think people, this is America. We live in a democracy. I believe that people can vote for whoever they want to vote. And I think that I have to give credit where credit is due. Teresa included that in her book, knowing that he was a controversial character and knowing that Andy is not a big fan of Donald Trump, right? So I thought that that was very brave of her to include that in her book and speak her mind and let people know where she stands um, because not everybody does that. And I've said this before. I've said, you know, you would be surprised to learn how many people support Donald Trump, but are not comfortable saying it because they are afraid of the backlash, okay? 
Um, meanwhile, you have a person like Siggy who is in the media and supports Donald Trump and everybody just wants to make her look like she's the only one. But there you have it. You have Teresa as a Trump supporter too and no one's coming at her for that. So anyways, that's about as much I want to talk about when it comes to politics. But I thought that this was one little chapter of the book that you guys would think is interesting. And lastly, guys, I just wanted to say that um, Teresa talks about everything that happened to her mother and how she passed on. And that was definitely one of the saddest chapter of the book. Um, the whole thing about how it happened, how it was sudden, and how she ended up dying at the hospital and all of that. You know, one thing that I did not know, actually a few things that I did not know when I read this was that um, Teresa's mother, when she was very sick and she was in the hospital. And then obviously her dad is very very close to her and you know he was not in the best of health either right so having his wife of 40 some plus years or 50 some plus years in the hospital kind of put him in the hospital too right so they were both at some point in time in the hospital and um, one thing that I did not know was that when Teresa's mom passed the father was also in the hospital and he did not know at that point that she had passed on and i guess teresa and her brother and melissa didn't want to tell him and even the doctors agrees and the medical agreed and the medical medical staff that it would probably be preferable not to tell him until his condition had gotten a little bit better because that could also put him down right so I thought that was really, really, really sad because this is not something that I knew. Uh, I wish that, that, I don't know, like, should, I don't know if it should have been covered on the show, but I feel like it kind of should have, right? But anyways, um, that's definitely a detail that I did not know about. And I thought that that was extremely sad. Teresa talks about spending a lot of time at the hospital and her brother spending a lot of time at the hospital as well. So there you have it, guys. It's in her books. She, in her book, she said, she spent a lot of time at the hospital and she took turns with her brother and her brother was completely there. Like basically for three months, they were both like alternating. You know, it was Teresa, her brother, Teresa, her brother. And Teresa even says that Melissa came a lot too with the kids. But because Melissa was running a boutique and also Melissa um, had to take care of her children, she couldn't be there all the time, right? Her children were a little bit younger, but she still came multiple times regardless to see um, Nona, right? So eventually, you know, fast forward to the fateful day when she passed, the father was himself in the hospital and did not know. And then finally, when Teresa and her brother decided that it was time to tell him what happened to the mother, the dad already kind of knew because they both walked in together. Like Teresa and her brother, like Joe, they both walked in together in his room. And I guess because they were always alternating uh, between Joe and Teresa, like someone always had to be with one or the other, right? So the dad, I guess it was an indication for him that, oh my gosh, something happened to my wife because that's the first thing he said. He said, what happened to my wife? Or where's my wife? And then they had to break the news to him. And it was extremely sad, devastating. You know, I actually listened to that whole chapter and it was very, very, very heartbreaking. So my heart definitely um, sunk a little bit. I 
don't know what it's like to lose uh, a parent. I know eventually it will happen, but you know, we know how close she was to her mom. So it was very, very, very devastating to hear how it all transpired. And another thing that I did not know about was the fact that, um, I guess Joe Judice wanted to make it to the funeral, but because everything was so sudden, you know, they never anticipated that she was going into the hospital and never coming back, right? Um, they were always thinking that, oh, okay, her situation is going to improve, get better, we're going to bring her back home. But then eventually she ended up dying and, you know, Teresa kind of booked everything or Joe booked everything for the funeral arrangements and all of that. And I guess Joe wanted to see, to come see his mother-in-law, but he was in prison. Um, and I guess the lawyer was trying to put um, some sort of arrangement in for the court to allow him to come and see um, his mother-in-law, like to, to be present at his mother-in-law's funeral. But because everything happened so quickly and because of the time of the funeral uh, arrangements, there was not enough time for Joe to be granted that type of approval, right? So that's the reason why he was not able to make it to Nona's funeral, which I thought was really sad because that's really the only chance he had to see her um, while he was still in America. Because we know after he he's done completing his sentence, Joe gets deported to Italy, right? So he has never had the chance to, you know, visit her grave. And who knows if he ever will have that chance, right? So... So like I stated before, I feel like the rest of the book, you know, it goes on for a lot of chapters and what you get mostly is, you know, what's going on in Teresa's life. Um, there's a lot of resentment towards Joe and what he has done. So Teresa voices that throughout the entirety of the book. You know, she talks about he should have done the right thing, that she's in this situation because of him, that, you know, he should have done good by her and her girls and that kind of stuff. And um, she also talks about what it's like to be, you know, a mom to four daughters that have a lot of activities and things to do and being the sole provider financially for all of these girls. So she talks about that a lot. And another thing that she talks a lot about is um, how she misses her mom a lot, right? She, this is definitely felt throughout the book. But as far as, um, you know, the big, big nuggets, I, I feel like I've shared that with all of you guys at the very beginning. And uh, there's not that much more that is disclosed after that. So overall, if I had to give the book a rating, um, my personal opinion, I would say that I would give it like seven, seven out of 10. Um, I think that there's a, like a few things that I've learned in this book that I did not know about Teresa and her family. And the rest, I feel like, you know, she kind of talked a lot about the show. She talked about Siggy. She talked about things that happened on Housewives. And to me, you know, I know it's part of a reality, but you know, there was that episode and it's not to criticize Teresa, guys. It's just really how I feel. There was that episode where she goes to see, um, uh, her publisher and they say oh my gosh we feel like you know you have said so much in your book that you are open but 
can we open you anymore? Like we feel like there's something missing that you could still pour out more, right? That's what they were saying to her. And she was saying, well, I don't know. I feel like I've been like, I couldn't be more open and all of that. I feel like for me to give it like an eight or a nine, there's still that little piece missing. I feel like she could have gone a little bit deeper in the book. Um, not necessarily focusing on housewife, but maybe focusing on other things. Like, for example, I would have been curious to know, okay, because Teresa talks in chapter six about her great relationship with Donald Trump, with Donald Trump's kids. She really, really likes them. And she says she has their back, right? And I would have been interested in finding out why like given the relationship or the closest of the relationship that she had with the trump family at the time when everything happened with joe judice i would be i would be interested in finding out why didn't Teresa ask for um donald trump when once he was elected as a president to pardon Joe Judice, right? Or to at least consider it. And I remember even Andy kept on saying that to Teresa. He kept on saying like on TV, I think it was on Watch What Happens Live, and we never got like a solid answer, right? And he kept on saying, you have a relationship with President Trump. You have a relationship with his kids. You were on Celebrity Apprentice. Why don't you call him up and say, hey, what can you do for me? Like, can you do something for me? And she, to which she responded back that she said, well, if they want to talk to me or if they want to call me, then I will listen. And then Andy was like, Teresa, Donald Trump is not calling you. You know what I mean? Like, you need to call him, right? So I don't know. I wonder if Teresa was, and that's just my personal opinion, and I've said this when I was reviewing the book, guys, and I'm sorry if I sound a little bit like nasally, but I feel like my nose is a little stuffed today towards, towards the end of the night. But anyways, I said that I felt that Teresa was angry in the book, very angry with Joe, like, resentment she couldn't stand him at time you could tell like she was putting a lot of the blame on him and saying that she was upset which we never saw in the show because she always defended him and she was always like keeping a united front on the show but in the book it's a different story so i wonder and that's just my opinion guys but i wonder if Teresa was upset to the point that she didn't even think that joe deserved to be pardoned or she didn't even maybe he did not deserve for her to even try for him right because sometimes you know when it hits you and you're upset and you're mad about something i'm just wondering maybe she was that upset that she didn't want to do him a favor like that and she didn't want to go the extra mile and ask that and i know i've heard joe before i think when he came out of prison he said to andy i would have never asked him to do that the guy wasn't like talking about donald trump you know the guy is like putting all of these policies in place you know to keep like people away from the borders and then you know I'm gonna ask him to pardon me I didn't want to put him in a situation like that right I understand his thought process but I don't know like to me the whole situation was sad I felt like Joe Judice paid his price uh, uh, paid the price and went to prison and he served his time I never felt like he should have been deported because we're talking about a father a man away from the home from his girls i will never understand why that was even on the table you know we're not talking about someone who 
um, hurt someone. You know, well, he did. Like, he hurt, like, you know, right? It's like financial. But I'm talking about it was not a violent crime. That's what I mean. So the fact that they were willing to separate a family and a dad from his four daughters, it's like, even forget about Teresa. He doesn't even have to stay with her. But at least for the girls, I think that they should have kept him in the country. I really do. I've always said that, and I'm never going to change my opinion on that. I believe that fathers belong in the home. I don't believe in the breakup of a family. I can't believe that that's what they wanted to do and that's what they did. But just for that reason alone, I would have tried that. I would have tried that. And I don't know why, but I feel like, you know, Donald Trump, if that would, if that was asked of him, I feel like he would have said, yeah, he's not going. Like he needs to be home to take care of his family. I feel like that's what he would have done, right? But anyways, guys. That's all I have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be a fan, not fanatical. Ciao!